everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Sean Boyce. Today, I'm doing another solo episode on a topic that I've been thinking about and writing about quite a lot lately, and that's thinking through different, more creative ways to scale your company besides hiring. There's a lot of things that are making hiring more challenging at the moment. If you're unaware, uh, take a look at things like the great resignation. Salaries are going up everywhere. Um, Competition is higher than ever. And a lot of these things are making it difficult for firms to find good help and find the amount of help that they need, even if they can find good help. They just might need a large volume of people to fill the need and meet the demand for their firm as it grows and scales. But what I want to talk more about today is alternative strategies to that, because I think there's not just additional options to consider, but arguably better options in terms of figuring out how to scale and become more efficient and effective as a firm. So that's what I want to kind of dive into more we talk about here today. So I use the analogy of thinking it a bit like taking a trip. Now, if you've ever, you know, when you were in school, when you were younger, if you've ever taken a school trip, it was making sure you have every all the right people on the bus and then making sure you have everybody in the right seat on that bus as well. Also, I think of the same thing as it pertains to making sure that our firm is going to be prepared for what's coming. Importantly, is to know that what worked for your firm to get you to where you are now is highly likely to not be enough to help your firm get through the phase that you're at now and to the level that you want to operate at next, because quite a bit changes as your firm grows and scales. But I use that analogy to make it more obvious to say that you can do a lot more with the team you already have. And I think that's not considered enough when it comes to thinking of growing and scaling. And most of it is left to, well, if and when the time comes, we'll just add people, which is an easy thing to say and a significantly harder thing to actually do. That in the fact of just adding people is not just expensive, it's also very time-consuming. So it starts to really dramatically impact the metrics and the financial performance of your firm as well, too. So let's let's talk about some of the things that I recommend you do in addition to considering these alternative strategies, and that's mapping out your growth trajectory so that you know when you should be ready for preparing for this wave of growth that's coming because you're making investments elsewhere and expecting that to have the desired effect, which is to grow your firm, grow your organization, bring in additional demand. The growth trajectory is helpful because it doesn't just force you to get specific about how much your firm expects to grow, but the other key element here is also when. I want you to know when that growth is set to take effect because that will also help you make sure that these plans are going to work much more effectively. That way, you could start thinking about how your firm can prepare for when that growth is coming, not just the fact that you expect to grow. For example, I don't want you necessarily to hire and have a bunch of resources like hanging around idle because there's nothing for them to do. That doesn't make any sense. Instead, if you're investing in these areas of growth, which a lot of firms typically do, a lot of budget and time and effort is focused in that area, what they Oftentimes, I think a big mistake that ultimately gets made that they just kind of assume that once that demand comes, they'll figure out the rest. But there's a whole other side of that equation. It's what happens when that demand arrives. 
So the growth trajectory exercise is all in an effort to kind of help you start thinking through how you would answer some key questions. Those three key questions I would put in series of three. Number one, where are you now? Number two, where do you want to be? This is where you're going next. And number three is how are we going to get there, right? So you set your source, you set your destination, and then we look to map out the rest. That's one of the key components to this exercise. So think about it in that way. Okay, next, let's talk about some traps that I want you to be aware of so that you can avoid along the way. Now, one of the areas that I specialize in is working with CPA firms. And in working with CPA firms and helping them to grow and scale, much of what I've already talked about is leveraged in those conversations. But in addition to that, a trap that I often see happening over and over again is that they expect what they've done and where they've invested to date to help get them through this growth phase and enable them to be secure and stable at that next level of growth. So once they level up, where their firm operates, the demand of work coming into their organization, they're expecting what got them there to get them to the next step. And that simply doesn't work. What you, what I wind up finding when I'm working with these firms is that what they've built can't support that level of growth as your trajectory grows more aggressive and it can't sustain the level of demand for the service once you're at that next level, which causes a host of problems and challenges making it more difficult for them to successfully make this transition. And I refer to this as a specific growth trap that I want you to be aware of so that you can focus on what you need to do to prevent this from happening in your firm. Some of the symptoms of what this might look like if you're a firm that might match this profile at the moment is if your team already feels overworked, overwhelmed, burnt out, stressed out, if they're exhibiting any of these symptoms, if you're starting to see an uptick in turnover, those all look like essentially having fallen into this trap and you need to make some changes in order to avoid it. So I want to make it painfully obvious that this is something you need to avoid if you're expecting your firm to be on this trajectory. So what ends up happening is trying to leverage that strategy or process or whatever you did to get you to where you are now. The bottlenecks in that process may not have been as obvious when you were at your previous phase, but as you move to this next phase of growth, it's going to make those painfully obvious and those bottlenecks are going to start to break down. The amount of the amount of delays that they add to your process is going to start to have reverberating effects elsewhere. So if left unaddressed, those can upwards of ruining the relationships that you're trying to establish with the new firms that you want to work with as your firm is growing and scaling. So you need to pay particularly close attention to these and make investments in fixing them at the right time. Otherwise, those are going to become bigger problems that is going to be either more difficult or sometimes impossible to have to deal with at a later stage. Think of it like cracks in the foundation of a home. If you've ever owned a home or you're familiar with how this works, a house is built on a foundation. Foundation is typically the strongest part of them, and it's key element in order to be able to build from there. But if you have issues in that foundation that starts showing them, starts showing them to you at a particular stage, and you choose to ignore them, those problems are not going to go away. In fact, they're going to become larger, 
and they may become something that eventually you really can't deal with without making massive changes to become super time consuming, super expensive. And uh, it's something that you're going to want to avoid. You're going to want to avoid that phase if, if at all possible. So once you start to see those, you want to address them as quickly as possible. Otherwise, they're going to become much bigger problems for you further down the road. Okay, next I want to talk about the kind of the objective as part of this process. When I am interacting with a lot of these firms and helping them with their growth and deal with dealing with the reverberating effects from that growth, I, I start to have an understanding in what they think that their objective is and how I think that should be modified slightly in order to prevent some of these problems rather naturally. So when I'm connecting with a lot of these firms, they have aggressive goals to want to grow, which I understand and certainly respect. But the type of growth that I would categorize what they are expecting is to grow bigger. And to me, growing bigger can be a problem for a lot of reasons. And I have a case study that I'll share with you where I've seen this happen and it caused way more problems than what ultimately they thought they were doing. Instead of growing bigger, what I want you to focus on is growing stronger. And I'm going to talk more about that. So instead of just growing your operation larger, your operation should become leaner, but you should be capable of dealing with more. So you become more agile, more flexible, and have the ability to produce more work, high quality work product output. But you need to become leaner along the way, because if you just become bigger, become more inefficient, become significantly more expensive, making errors and mistakes. So lower quality work output is often a byproduct of growing bigger as opposed to growing stronger. And I'm going to share a story with you about where I've seen this kind of play out in practice. So there's a couple of good versions of this case study out there, and I've studied it back in grad school when I was going for my MBA, but it's a case related to Home Depot. And um, under a particular leadership tenure of Robert Nardelli, when he was the CEO at Home Depot. So when often referred to Bob came into Home Depot, he was set to make big waves and he did. What Bob did is he grew essentially their revenue at Home Depot significantly upwards of double, which was gaining a lot of attention because they wanted to know what he was doing, how he was doing it, what kind of effect this would have, how Wall Street would react. There's there was a lot of buzz about it. And when you took a closer look, Everything was growing at Home Depot with the exception of performance metrics. So how they were measuring performance, profit in particular, the share price of Home Depot stock, these things weren't changing and people wanted to know why. So as you dive into it in greater detail, what you wind up finding out is that what Bob Nardelli did at Home Depot didn't grow Home Depot to be strong. He just grew it to be bigger, which meant that Revenue grew in lockstep essentially with expense and overhead, which meant that profitability didn't budge. So while the firm, while Home Depot was making significantly more, they weren't keeping more. What they were doing is they were just making their operation bigger and more complex, making it more difficult to maintain that momentum, especially because additional profit wasn't being generated. So they didn't have more resources to put into anything. And that's why people often stated that throughout the course of his tenure, the share price didn't budge because the investors kind of had a better understanding of what it is he was actually doing. And they, they were unimpressed. Long story short, Bob got tossed out of Home Depot 
and they brought in new leadership. So there's more to be studied there in my related uh, article on this topic. It has a link to that case study. So if you want to read that in greater detail, I encourage you to do so. But grab the link there and learn more about that because there's a lot more detail in it, which is particularly telling and a perfect example of what I'm trying to communicate in this podcast episode with you guys. So that's some examples. Those are things to look out for. The next natural question is, what do you do instead? And how do you how do you bridge this gap from just growing bigger to ultimately growing stronger? That's where I want you to take a closer look at building process instead of just adding people. So scaling without hiring and adding headcount, you obviously need to look to different strategies in order to be able to do that more effectively. So what are they? That looks like building process. You build process to be effective first, then we can make it efficient next through other resource tools and resources and strategies, namely automation and technology. They have a lot to offer your firm. They can enable your team to be able to do more with less. And that can really help you grow to and through a next phase of progress for your firm, a significant one, without increasing significantly your headcount, your overhead, your expense. So, and what we want for you, right? We want your revenue to grow faster than your expense and your overhead does. And if you look towards more process than people, this is getting you started on a path to being able to do this. And then once you make the process to become effective, you can make it significantly more efficient and more accurate by introducing strategies like automation and technology, which is where I want you to focus instead of just looking at adding headcount. Process is going to be needed even if you are adding headcount, but if you continually are redesigning your process to become more effective, then you can invest in making them more efficient, which will improve accuracy. And it will enable you to do more with less by leveraging strategies like and tools and resources like automation and technology. So in terms of getting started with this stuff for your firm, I want you to focus on answering those three questions first. And I will reiterate them here again. The first one was, where are you at now? The second one is, where do you need to go? Basically, where do you want to be? And the third one is, how are you going to get there? And then start leveraging some of these tactics that I shared with you in this episode and the related article in order to learn more about what you can do to help your firm get there and scale in better way than just simply adding headcount and through hiring. Thanks for listening to my episode, guys. I hope you got value out of it. Uh, if you have any questions about anything that I talked about here today, feel free to reach out to me by email um, at sean at nextstep.io. That's sean, S-E-A-N, at nextstep, N-X-T-S-T-E-P.io. I help boost CPA firms' profitability and enable them to grow and scale and reach significantly higher levels without needing to add significant headcount. To learn more about how I can do that for your firm, potentially feel free to email me. Also consider joining my free mailing list where I share daily strategic free advice like this. Um, And it's true. It's every day. So feel free to subscribe to that where you can learn a lot more about this uh, in a different format. Thanks. And uh, I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Product Launch. I hope you got value out of it. I like to feature product people on my podcast because that's who I love to help. I'm a product strategist and I can help you scale your business and grow your profit through a product. 
if you'd like to learn more about how I can help you, email me at sean at nextstep.io. That's sean, S-E-A-N, at nextstep, N-X-T-S-T-E-P.io. Or visit my website at nextstep.io. That's N-X-T-S-T-E-P.io. Hey folks, Sean here, and thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you did, I'd encourage you to also sign up for my free five-day email course about launching a profitable B2B SaaS application for less than $750. If you'd like to sign up for that course, you can do so at nextstep.io forward slash B2B SaaS.